The City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everybody, it's Casey Fields, your manager for municipal advocacy at the Municipal Association of South Carolina. And welcome to this week's episode of City Quick Connect podcast, law enforcement edition. Yeah, Scott, not, welcome. No legislative edition this week. Pure law enforcement. Law enforcement. We're talking about the newly passed law, the That's PACT right. Act. That's right. Right. House Bill 3050. House Bill 3050 where was it originated. The original, That's yep, right. And it's now Act 218, but That's we're right. going to refer to it as House Bill 3050. 3050. That's right. Signed by the you governor. Like, and you like referring to House bills. I prefer referring to House and Senate bills as they are passed instead of Act numbers. See, I don't, I think it, I, it helps everybody because we worked on it for so long. Yeah. And for so long and everything we did, it was 3050, 3050, Well, you 3050. call it 3050 and I'll call it Act 218. Good. And, we'll, and then by the end of the podcast episode, we will have thoroughly confused and our everybody. Special, our special guest will, uh, he'll tell us exactly what, what we should be calling it. That's right. right. Besides the PACT <clears throat> Act. Listen, so. I am absolutely thrilled and honored today <laughs> to have Jackie Swindler with us, Executive Director of the South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy, former City of Newberry Police Chief. Jackie, welcome. Good to be with y'all. Thank you. Tell me, Jackie, <clears throat> tell me how you got to be where you are right now. <laughs> tell me, I mean, you All know. All the way just, up to sitting in right, this exactly. seat today. That's right. Tell me Tell me everything <laughs> about everything, Jackie. What, what do we need to know? Well, I guess I'll just start with how wonderful Eric Buzz and Jeff Shacker are, but I, I won't start. Right. With yeah, <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. I like completely just. Yeah, we won't. Start we won't be able to handle she, them after no, that. No. Jeff's uh, Jeff's cities and towns in the upstate know how how great he is. Oh yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, interesting. Um, I am the director of the Criminal Justice Academy now, but for thirty eight and a half years, I worked for the city of Newberry. I started on December the second, nineteen seventy five. That was before I was born, Scott. Thank, thank you for thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome, Jackie. <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Jackie. She loves to remind people how old they are. That's all right. Right. It was before Erica was born too. So I do know that. You do. I do know that. But uh, so I started with the police department and obviously worked my way through the ranks there and became the chief of police in Newberry in, in the spring of 1993. And so obviously fixing to come up on 30 years as a as a chief. Uh, fixing to finish 47 years in law enforcement in wow. December and start 48. So that's wow. pretty unique. It's not a, not a lot of that, I, I don't think. Uh, but I've been very blessed. I've had a really good career. I was fortunate to work for a progressive department early on that uh, encouraged education. And so uh, I got an associate degree, a bachelor's degree, and then a master's degree from Carolina. And then I was selected to go to FBI National Academy. And so at 26 years old, oh, wow. you know, I'd been working obviously almost eight years and had a master's degree in the FBI Academy graduate, and so that sort of made me marketable to go to work other places and was recruited by other places, but I really enjoyed Newberry, and, and they were good to me. I enjoyed them, and I think Jackie, they enjoyed are you me. Are you from Newberry? No. I crossed, I crossed the vast source of waterway to Sluda River yeah. uh, and came from Sluda over to Newberry to gotcha. go to college. And, uh, <laughs> That's a trek. It was. <laughs> I had matching luggage. I had two Piggly Wiggly bags <laughs> and uh, crossed, right. across that river and— uh, Came there to go to work at the police department and go to college, and, mm -hmm. uh, and was going to stay there just a few years. And uh, obviously, I stayed thirty-eight and a half years. Right. So I guess that is a few years in uh, in the grand scheme of things. Now, how how long have you been at the criminal just criminal I've justice? I've been there now. six years. Okay, now. Yeah. I worked two years for Governor Haley on a project with the Department of Social Services. That's right. Uh, the day after I retired, I went to work for her, and then I uh, and then I came to the academy and. In 2016, so I've been there six years. Now, how did you? How did Nikki know about you? How? What was your relationship with her prior to prior to that work? There was there was a, a lot of things going on not well between law enforcement and Department of Social Services. Yeah, there were a lot of issues mm -hmm. with a lot of children dying, mm -hmm. and she said uh, well, she was told that that certainly there needed to be someone who could help bridge law enforcement and and uh, Department of Social Services. And so I am sure that Chief Keel is who yeah. told her that yeah. I was retiring in Newberry. And so I was invited to her office one Thursday, and you know, I assumed I was going to be, you know, thank you for your years of service. And she said, I need you to do something for yeah. me. And so I said, well, can I see the uh, job description and the template? And they said, there is none. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, you, if you'll come do this, you can do anything you want to with it to try to leave it better than right. you found it. So that was, you know, that was interesting. Uh, it wasn't necessarily something I ever had a plan that I was going to do when mm -hmm. I retired. Sure. I had planned to 
to travel the country and, and teach because I'd been speaking for probably the last eight or ten years when I was chief in Newberry. They allowed me to go somewhere once a month around the country, and I taught ethics and integrity for law enforcement all, yeah. over, mm-hmm. all over the country. Mm-hmm. So I was going to kind of expand uh, my speaking, but she offered me that, and, and it was uh, I prayed about it, and I knew obviously that's where God wanted me to be. And so I went there, and I had not been there any time, uh, unfortunately, when um, – the guy in Lexington killed his five kids. And yeah. So, oh, so yeah. I helped them through that. Mm-hmm. They, they would not have known how to handle that. Mm-hmm. I worked uh, a very uh, high-profile case with the FBI involving a juvenile who was a terrorist. They did not oh. have anyone to know how to deal with, mm-hmm. with that. And so I, I, de- I dealt with that. Then I helped the FBI on two more terrorism-related cases. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and the special agent in charge said, Jack, I don't know what we'd have done without you. We, we did not have anybody that would have known yeah. how to bridge that. And so so there was four or five examples that I could clearly see why I was there for that period of time. Mm-hmm. But also helped cause agencies to work well together because that's sort of been my thing forever is uh, always keeping relationships going with people. I may not like someone, but you wouldn't know it. I mean, I worked with everybody who was willing to work. Yeah. And unfortunately, not a lot of people are like that. And so uh, so that was what, something that I was able to do is get, and I, I believe every county get the law enforcement and, and Department of Social, Social Services to work together, mm-hmm. particularly on, on those cases involving children on how to, how to do that. But I taught them some things that uh, they didn't know about investigations, about taking pictures and documentation and mm-hmm. writing well. And so I was there for a reason. And, uh, but I went out to the academy for the annual police memorial. And the director uh, then, Hubert Harrell, announced that he was going to retire. Yep. And before I could get back to my office, my phone and emails and everything blew up. All my friends said, hey, Jackie, man, that's where you need to be. You need to be at the academy. But I wasn't sure that Governor Haley would give me her blessing because she liked what I was doing right. for her. <laughs> right. But I went to see her and asked her what she thought about me applying for that. And, and, and she gave me her blessing. Probably little did I know she was leaving to go to be the, yeah. you know. Right, that's at, right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, United Nations, but she she gave me her blessing. I applied, and obviously, you see, uh, I was selected. Well, and I think one of your the first success certainly that we talk about is reducing the backlog of entrance. That's right to the, the criminal justice the, academy, right. getting yeah. reducing that wait list time to get uh, newly hired officers to the academy and through and mm-hmm. getting in those slots because that was getting trained and every yeah. time we traveled around the state, particularly through our regional advocacy meetings, that was one of the chief complaints that we heard. That's so right. can you imagine um, how many times I heard it? Right. Well, yeah, no, <laughs> okay. uh, absolutely. Okay. And so, and of course I know that we, you know, we communicated that with, to, to you and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I think that's been a huge success on your part, just using some common sense and putting some of that training back at home and allowing some self-paced kind of work is, I, well, you know, it's Scott, just sort of, it just sort of made sense to us, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the waiting time went from an average of a 106 day wait to two weeks or less. So yeah. that, wow. that is successful. 106 to 10. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty successful. No kidding. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's been some side effects to that that we did not plan on in that uh, our success rate at the academy went from in the 76th percent to over 90 percent success rate of graduation. Uh, And so what happens, I believe, is that the agencies hire people and they get a chance to see them first day training. You can start the very first day as opposed to waiting that average 106 days. You can put them in the room and start training. So then if you see them drooling, playing on their phone, going to sleep or whatever, you go, I don't believe you're going to mm-hmm. be a good student. And so so they weed them out. I hear stories all the time of people that they hired, but they, they weed them out. And they said, I'm not even going to send that person to you because I don't believe they're a serious student. So that's been a side effect blessing that has really, really been good. And so it's it's helped that. They also have a chance because of what we sent them home to train on the videos of our instructors teaching. They have time then to prepare them better for the firearms and the defensive tactics and yeah. getting ready and before stuff like they that. actually get to Absolutely. the academy yeah and so after you do those four weeks and see you can do it at whatever pace you want so people would say oh i've got them here for three months and they're just sitting there i can't use them to do anything or have any benefit now we say you can start training the very first yeah. day mm-hmm. but you can also start 
getting them prepared physically, mentally, emotionally, and, and all that. And so that's a, a benefit. And so that really helps. I, I gave them other suggestions because of technology. I said, you know, you ha- everyone has a big screen TV with internet in their mm-hmm. department. Yeah. I said, I said, after you've looked at, say, um, domestic violence, then close it down and say, all right, let's pull up some of our incident reports and let's look at them. And now did the officers write what was necessary? Mm-hmm. And then, and then pull up on your TV, Google earth, pull up your jurisdiction, jurisdiction and show them different types of locales that, w- that you may go answer a call and say, now, where would you park the car? Yeah. How would you approach this mm-hmm. house or this apartment complex or this school or whatever? And then you can say, all right, now let's go further. Something bad goes down and you have to, uh, Pursue someone, you know, how would you, you know, cordon off your area? How would you set up a perimeter? Where would you put your command post if yeah. there was a shooting? So I said, you can take our training and expand it for your jurisdiction. And they went, ooh, that's pretty good. We could do that. And then I said, then take some of your officers from off of your shift and let them be actors. They know the calls that they go on regular. Yeah. So let them pretend to be at that, you know, location and then let your new recruits you know, simulate answering calls with them, you know, and, and so it's just all kind of ways you can be better. So our plan came to better to conclusion, better than we thought, like the old A team adage. I like it when a plan comes together. Exactly. Well, well, this one was even better. Yeah. So we got some other things. And so, um, it really, it really has worked and has been. So now they come every Wednesday this afternoon, uh, at one o'clock, uh, I think there's 17 or 19 today that are coming. Mm-hmm. They'll come take the cumulative test for those four weeks. If they pass, they take the test in their shorts and have their tennis shoes on. They'll immediately come up to our um, physical abilities test, our PAT course, and they'll run it. If they pass, oh, wow. we'll hand them a slip. Uh, and it'll be for not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Right. You know, so they'll be there obviously under under those two weeks. Give them, a little, give them a little time to prepare to come down and uh, get ready to get ready to do the really intensive. Well, stuff. you ought to see their face when we hand them a slip now and report in two weeks or <laughs> some Wednesdays. This in four days, you know, yeah, yeah. And they go, no, 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 I, I don't want to come I, that soon. I, I'm <laughs> not ready. I, I'm not ready at home. Yeah, and you can push it out, but sure. it's funny that they how they look when they go. I didn't know I was coming quite. Exactly, which which is quite the quite the opposite from oh what it uh, used to be. We you know we complained about how long it took us to get here, and now we're like, oh yeah. wait, right. that's too oh, fast. We have a lot of people do that, <laughs> and we have a lot of agencies that wait and send uh, all of their recruits together. Sure, um, you know they may have whatever they have 10, 12, 14. and so then we have a graduation. Everybody thinks, well, this is it their class. Well, you know they have the most in there because right. they waited to send their recruits at one time. So let's talk now about the the next progression in terms of uh, improving law enforcement across the state. You've done, a, obviously, a commendable job at the Criminal Justice Academy. Let's talk about the PACT Act, mm-hmm. House Bill 3050, that was the vehicle. Um, and, of course, Erica Wright on our staff, uh, she she was sort of the face from, from the Municipal Association's mm-hmm. perspective and worked really closely with our law enforcement partners. Uh, that bill... Uh, started out as a, I think, as a very modest bill that uh, Representative uh, Dennis Moss yeah. uh, introduced, and uh, and then it went through a couple of different iterations, and finally became, I think, a much stronger product as a result of the legislative process. And that's something, you know, a lot of people would would poo poo and say, well, it's not going to get better, but in this case. It that did. bill got a lot better than where it started out, and I think Representative Moss should be should be proud for starting that process. But so let's let's talk about give us an overview of what the bill does, and what we're trying to do, Jackie, is make sure that our mayors and council members across the state That's right. clearly understand what the expectation of their police departments will be going forward starting January the 1st of 2023. So, well, or, or if there's, well, there's some deadlines to meet even before no, then, right? There was one January, there was one July the 1st, okay. 2022. Let's talk about let, that. Let me start back yeah. with, with what you said about Representative Moss. How that came about, he was uh, part of our budget subcommittee. Mm-hmm. And so I was presenting our budget. And unfortunately, just recently, within a few weeks, there had been a tragedy where a, a young officer at the, at the uh, Florence airport had, had been yes, killed. Yes, I remember Just that. a few days before he was to report to the academy on Sunday. So Representative Moss said, I, I saw that he died, and I saw that he had not been to the academy. And I said, that, that is correct. That's unfortunate. 
And he said, uh, what do you think about officers working who aren't certified? And I said, well, I never worked. I was, I was a, you said I was a chief of police for 21 years in Newberry. I never worked anyone who was not certified. Yeah. And a lot of agencies did likewise. But unfortunately, there are places that put people to work day one yep. and, and work them. The law, yeah. uh, as it was, said that you could uh, uh, work for a year without being certified. I don't think that was a good idea, but that's what people did, and, and that's fine. And so Representative Moss said, what do you think about changing to uh, having to be certified? And I said, I, I, I certainly support that. And, and actually, if we ever were going to do it, now is the time to do it mm-hmm. because of what you just talked about in that we had the weight down, you know, to yeah. where it was very yeah. minimal. Yeah. And I said, so if they're ever going to do it, now is the time to do it. And so he introduced that bill for that purpose. Of, of having to be certified. Now, I'll tell that in just a minute about that part, but I'm going to go a little bit more on that history. Well, obviously, simultaneously, while that was uh, going, then the things happened in, in the country, uh, not the pandemic, but the, yeah. uh, the protests. Yeah. And so all over the country, people were demanding of police to, to make changes, to do things differently. And so the, the uh, legislature started having hearings on uh, what started out as criminal justice reform, but people have heard me say it kind of went to police reform because uh, they kind of left out criminal justice. They sort of left <laughs> the rest out, of it, yeah. they right? sort of left out judges and mm-hmm. solicitors and the you know courts and everybody else. And that, but so it sort of became police reform. So a lot of us testified many times about the current state of police uh, policing and what should be done. But I'll tell you an interesting thing: the things that were being demanded around the country. When we were asked, we were already doing. We had been mm-hmm. teaching uh, explicit and implicit bias for years, de-escalation, right. you know, those types of things. We had been teaching, I think, proper uh, arrest techniques and uh, and the proper place of, of chokeholds and things. So we've been doing things for years that the co- rest of the country was demanding. Mm-hmm. We certainly have, without a doubt, one of the most robust misconduct statutes in the country. And the country was demanding that, that you know police have misconduct statute. We had that, and they started talking about a a national database for officers who were being decertified. That had already been in existence for years through mm-hmm. IDLIS, the National Decertification Index, right. and we participate in that. And so, so there are a lot of things that we were doing al- already and doing well. And so, as I testified, I was able to say those things, but it gave us an opportunity to get better. And so. Uh, unlike a lot of bills where sometimes, you know, legislators come up with ideas and you may get to testify, but they may already have their mind made. They allowed us to have a lot of input sure. into this finished product because we wanted to see improvements in law enforcement. Law enforcement wrote the vast majority of this and presented it. Uh, and, and Erica was there and saw how we presented it, how we testified, how we uh, enlighten them on things. Yeah. They had some ideas and we tweaked it to say, I hear what you're saying, but this actually is better. And so it was a good effort all the way around. Yeah. This were, this, these changes weren't forced on you by the general assembly. Uh, none, I mean, none that, whatsoever. I, I think that's a really important message, Jackie, to everybody to understand that law enforcement were willing partners in this. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think everybody across the state and municipal government in particular needs to appreciate that. And, and mayors and council members need to, embrace the changes that they are going to have to ensure that their police departments comply with going forward. And I mentioned Dennis Moss was retired from the state highway patrol. So he, you know, he understood some of these challenges uh, firsthand. Absolutely. And and now I'll go into the, to the bill that that actually what went into effect uh, first uh, on July the 1st of this year was the first part I'm talking about certified officers. So what the statute says now is that you cannot police unless you're certified, unless you are in the presence of a class one officer. And that means with them at all times, unlike the reserve statute that says you can be in communication and that could be radio or telephonic, whatever. This is in person. So you have to be, if if you're not a certified yet, you have to be in the car. Absolutely. Is that right? On if foot. you are or on, on foot, foot wherever, in the car, on car, right next yeah. to Absolutely. that certified right officer. Right beside them if you're, okay. going to, if you're going to work them. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is clear. And I hear this from a lot of agencies, those questions. I, most of them understand, but some still want to try to, I guess maybe they're wishing that it was something different. But they'll ask, well, can I have them in a car by themselves? And they call me. I said, 
That is clearly not what it says. No. That's right. They must be in the presence of that class one officer at all times. Mm-hmm. And see, there's a difficult time, a difficult part that you may not can do. You may have them in that car, but if y'all split up and start running and chasing, right? I'm not sure what that would look like if you were off by yourself and did something or something happened to you or you caused something to happen to someone else and you were not in the presence of that mm-hmm. person. So I, I would not advise people to put people out there like that. I would wait and have them certified. As easy as it is now to immediately start training and to get the people trained, I just personally believe I would do that. I agree. Yeah. Well, and it's the law. It's just that easy. I mean, it's <laughs> but just... you can have them with somebody. I'm just saying I would not do that. Right. I'm just right. Saying that. Right. Right. You still have to within three days of hire send us paperwork that you've hired them, and if you're going to have them do any type of police function, they have to qualify with their weapon within three days right. with a certified firearms instructor, and then send that paperwork to us. So those are still those requirements did not change. Right. It just changes the ability. I will tell you this though, there are agencies out there that uh, were working people a full year. Sure. And then they would write me and ask for an extension and, and, mm-hmm. and they, they do not get an extension if there's no reason. And that's just because they work people. And so you've got to plan better uh, and, and, and follow this statute. All right. So that's, that's the first part. That's effective right now. That's effective right What's now. What's coming up next? Um, next will be, uh, they wanted every agency to have uh, a set of minimum standards, minimum policies, and there's nine of them. That goes into effect January the 1st of 2023, but we are already in that process. And, and what we did was we researched uh, CALEA certified uh, accredited standards, state accredited standards, and then agencies. We saw what their policies were. We put them all together and then wrote a policy of each of these nine areas that the legislature specifically named these nine areas. And so we didn't choose those nine areas. Mm -hmm. These were areas that they think are areas that, you know, police need to make sure that they... Just name a couple as an example. Yeah, well, I'll be glad to. Um, I'll actually name all nine. Okay. Uh, And so um, uh, chokeholds had to be moved to the top of the force continuum to only utilize when uh, deadly force is, is used. The interesting thing about that, I hear all over the country people saying, oh, because of uh, George Floyd's situation, chokeholds have been outlawed. They have not been outlawed. They're not outlawed in this state. They are moved to where they should have been, and we had already moved it to, to that in this state, mm-hmm. to the, the lethal force on option. Right. You still Which, need- Jackie, explain that to me, that you can only use them when Correct. your life is in danger, when the uh, life of the officer is in danger? Well, no different than using your firearm okay. when your life's in danger or someone else's life is okay. in danger and you have to utilize deadly force as okay. your option. So it's no, it's just on the same area as using a pistol Okay. and a carotid hole and they'll call it a choco, but a carotid hole obviously is restricting blood flow. A respiratory hole is restricting airflow. Mm-hmm. So there are actually two kinds of, of chokeholds. Mm-hmm. So you hear that word used wrong mm-hmm. around the country yeah. or, or yeah, synonymous, but but that is a great tool. I, I tell people, you, I told the legislature, you do not want to take it off the tool belt. Because if, if a policeman arrives at a scene and a man is choking a woman in a domestic and he says, and you see that he's fixing to take her life either through that air or blood mm-hmm. flow, let her go. And he says no. If you did not have that option, then the only option you would have to, would, it would be to shoot. It's right, a firearm. Right. right. Yeah. But I can come put a, a, a chokehold on you. You will release her. Quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Quickly, and and then within seconds, you have recovered. I believe you would much rather me do that to you than to shoot you, or tase so you, or something, or, you know, or, some or kind of, yeah. It is yeah. a great tool to have, and so that's why we did not remove it as uh, totally like you hear people around the country say. So and it is officers not. are trained on proper Absolutely. technique and at they, the academy when to use it mm-hmm. and and how to use mm-hmm. it properly. So it is a, it is a it is a good tool. Jackie, so, so you know, one. several, I mean, this has been right when you were named executive director, we brought our mayors mm-hmm. to the criminal justice Academy for yep. a training mm-hmm. and y'all gave us a tour of, I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just say, I think we need to go back after yeah, the passage of 3050. I think it would be so important for a group of mayors to go to the criminal justice Academy, to see the firearm, the driving course, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the whole obstacle course where you have to pull the 
you know, the, the dummy through the window and yeah. all those different and where they eat, where they stay. I, I just think that's important for elected officials to see where our officers are training and the, you know, the great things that are going on at the Academy. If you I know, recall correctly, I believe you and Erica also did the firearms. Joni did. Yeah. Joni, yeah. Or, or, Joni yeah. did it. Yeah. Some but Joni. listen, I want to come back and I do know, the driving. I know, I know some of you. I, I want to go back and drive, <laughs> Jackie. Yes. We're not about, we're, and then we'll yeah, give coming. you a, we'll give you a milkshake and some groceries uh, the, and a kid hollering in the back. Well, we'll, we'll make I mean, it realistic. I, yeah. yeah, but then I want to go ninety, and then I want to do right. like a break turn. All right, we'll do that. And then I want. <laughs> so it is good for people to come see what we do. Uh, it really enlightens you, Absolutely. and also you see. Uh, I believe, Erica, you did do the uh, the farm simulator, and uh, we've had a lot of people do it, and and invariably, people make poor decisions because it's stressful, but that's not real world, but it still puts them under stress. Oh, but yeah. after it's over with, they go, wow, I shot the wrong person or I didn't shoot when I should have. And that might've been some bad. Well, all right, let's oh, get yeah. back. Let's get back to so, our list. So that's here. one yeah. of them that's is, the, is, is the whole proper the whole, use of, right, of right. holes. That's one of them. Uh, vehicle pursuits is a policy. That's why I want to do and, that. And so uh, we, we will have a minimum policy on that. And, and let me stop right there. We are giving everybody a minimum policy, minimum policy. You can make it much more restrictive, and we tell that. You can take all of these policies and make them much more restrictive because there are places that may say, I will do no types of chokeholds. That's fine. I will do no pursuits, vehicle or foot pursuits. You could say that. You cannot be less restrictive on mm -hmm. policy, but you can be more, more restrictive. restrictive. So, but, so we're giving them a vehicle pursuit mm -hmm. policy in case they don't have one. And as you've seen in the news lately, Vehicle pursuits is a very hot topic because, unfortunately, so there have been some very yeah. dangerous, yeah. very tragic. What you're doing. Well, it's just very tragic. Results can happen in any time and, you do. And let me make make clear to everybody who's listening that what you're talking about, the things that you and the Law Enforcement Training Council are preparing with regard to these standards are the standards and policies that you are offering, you will offer to law enforcement agencies across the state to say, if you you have to first of all have these policies in place, here are the model policies, the minimum, the minimum right? policies the minimum standards. that you have to adopt. Right. And so that's that's what we're talking about. Well, right I'm now. gonna mention all nine of them, yep. then I'm gonna go into detail yep. about what to do. Absolutely. So, so let Keep me read going. these nine, yep. and then I then I'm gonna tell you what what they can do. Okay. Um, here's a new one: uh, duty to intervene. That also is new language in the misconduct. That's added to our misconduct statute also. If an officer sees another officer performing something that they believe is misconduct on a, on a citizen, they have a duty to intervene right then. But it's very clear that it, two of us, two officers could be arresting different people, and I see you doing something bad, I will say, Scott, stop that right now. Stop mm -hmm. that. But I can't release the person that I'm dealing with, mm -hmm. so I can't phys physically come over and stop you if I needed to. So I have a duty to intervene to try to stop you by words, if it was just by ourselves and I wasn't dealing with somebody, then I would come stop you uh, physically if right. I had to mm -hmm. step between y'all or whatever. Uh, but the legislature, and we talked to them, clearly they want a duty to intervene, and we agree. But we added another part, not only a duty to intervene, but a duty to report. And so if I was dealing with somebody and you were dealing with someone and I saw you doing something wrong and I tried to tell you to stop and you didn't, then within 24 hours I have to report it to a superior officer mm -hmm. that I saw something that I believe was a misconduct act. So that is important. Duty to intervene physically or I have a duty to report. Jackie, talk about the the obstacles that potentially we'll have to overcome with a fear or a reticence among officers to snitch on their their colleagues or you know or tattle on them i mean i can imagine I, that I, some would have the attitude well i don't want to i don't want to be a snitch i don't want to be a tattletale but I, that's the that's not the way that we need to approach this well it's not because yeah. i just said if you do not intervene or report you can be guilty of misconduct right and if you're guilty of misconduct then you have the potential to lose your certification then you are no longer ever employed. And, of course, everything's being that, recorded by, by video these days anyway. Well, so body you, camera, mean, in-car yeah, camera, right. cameras on houses, cameras on stores. Somebody's got a cell phone That's out. exactly yeah, right. So That's you right. know it's recorded. That's right. I believe that will eliminate that I agree. fear for that because mm -hmm. you also need to be fearful that of my reputation, of my career. And so I think that will certainly be good. So then what you could tell us, if another officer said, man, you told him, said, hey, bud, 
are you going to feed me and my family? This is my job. Is involved. You don't. You're not planning on keeping me up. So right. I'm doing the right thing. Right. So I think that was a, a great addition to duty to intervene and duty to report. Hiring and terminating practices are another policy. Uh, Post academy field training as a model mm-hmm. policy. Uh, Body worn camera policy, which we already have, but we tweaked it a little bit. The use of no knock warrants, and that's another example of one that can be more restrictive, or even, mm-hmm. or even say, I'm not doing, do not allow no knock warrants. Which was funny when we were, we had a, a group of, of a lot of law enforcement people in the room. Uh, only two people said they'd ever seen one in their career, and a no knock warrant is you have to go get a judge mm-hmm. permission to, you know. Go right on in on yeah. somebody with a search warrant. Knock somebody's door open. And, and go on And like what, that. Jackie, do you, when when you're asking for a no-knock, you've you got... You have to articulate that I am doing this because of safety okay. and, of course, the immediate loss of that evidence, but more mm-hmm. importantly, officer safety. That, mm-hmm. that I, If I told them I was the police, there could be loss of life. But the courts have allowed you to announce police and, and enter hurriedly. Right, so, right, right. You know, so what happens, and some of these turn out really bad around the country is yep. why that's an issue, is they went in on somebody's house and then they shot the person or the person shot mm-hmm. the police and the police killed him, and they said, I thought they were gang members or right. bad guys or robbers right. and stuff. and they weren't. So it's not necessarily a good practice. How and common so, are no-knock warrants? Uh, as, as I just said, that uh, we had people in the room who had policed probably 10 to 30-plus years who helped us on these, and I only heard two say they'd ever seen one in their whole career. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, uh, I've worked this long. I'm 47 years, and I was yeah. a drug officer for many, many, many years. I never utilized a no-knock mm-hmm. warrant. Jackie, go back mm-hmm. to the the body worn cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had a we've had a statute on the books for a long mm-hmm. time that says that police agencies have to deploy body worn cameras, but only if their funding was available. Uh, are, is there any is there any new money that's come into the state budget to help law enforcement? I know our risk management services we have a we have a grant program. It's a first come first serve, but that doesn't meet nearly all the need. We, they actually that we have. added a uh, twenty million dollars to the to the public safety budget for cameras and Good. vests and things such as that. So Good. there's a a bunch more money this year for that. There's some uh, reoccurring money every year, several million dollars yeah. for body work. But this 20 million will really go go mm-hmm. a long ways. Good. And so there should be more utilization of body worn cameras. Good. So the policy is uh is as good as it was before about having had the positive, but now we've added some things about uh, having it on when you have it on right. and if you don't and if you destroy it or things such mm-hmm. as that. Yeah, it doesn't do you any good if you don't turn it on. Uh, it doesn't. And I'll tell you, <laughs> it saves the officer way, Absolutely. way, way more than it ever yeah. uh, implicates them doing something. Um, you have to have a policy on uh, complaints, how you can take complaints in various ways uh, against an officer or an agency. And you have to have a, a some type of early warning system, and that's for recognizing officers who are who are changing in their behavior and their pattern of practice, and um, and to be able to get people help, mm-hmm. uh, post traumatic stress yes. or, or whatever it may be. You start recognizing it, and so we'll give them suggestions on on how to look at this and and how to track it. And some of them have a numerical system that you give points for a wreck or points for a you know, where you look or your car, or your clothes or the way you talk or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And once you build up enough points, you go, something's happening in your life. And so, so you could do that or you could just have certain things, so many wrecks or so many pursuits or so many, uh, you've been in so many altercations and then uh, you trigger that early warning system. The, it, it's almost, it's almost statutory risk management. Well, you know, uh, well, when people ask me, what's your job as a, when you're a chief of police, I'd said my number one job is a risk manager. Yeah, mm-hmm. I am minimizing the risk That's right. uh, here for this agency and for exposure to the city mm-hmm. liability and then taking ri- care the, of your officers. The risk yep. for the community, but the officer risk is very important. So if you are a good a good leader, and that could be the from the chief to the mayor, city manager, if you're a good leader, you are ensuring that your employees are safe and well taken care of. So you should notice if things start changing yep. in their behavior. Mm-hmm. And we have some really good programs available now where uh, officers can go get some help. There's not that stigma that, oh, you went and got some counseling. Yeah. You need counseling. Uh, we have um law enforcement assistance program, the yes. LEAP program, SC LEAP, and they gave more money for that. They did. The legislature gave money for uh, 
still that if if an officer goes for counseling, they won't have any out-of-pocket what insurance mm-hmm. doesn't cover. That That's money's right. there. So there are a lot of things. The only thing that really needs to be changed and it still needs to be worked on and that some of these issues need to be workers' comp issues because yeah. officers get damaged re- really mm-hmm. bad. So that's another for another day. But but this is good to have an early warning system so that you can you know help prevent this. I've been around a long time and I've heard so many stories of where after someone did something bad or they did something to themselves, and then you start doing that you know armchair quarterbacking mm-hmm. where you're looking going, gosh, did anybody see that coming? Yeah. yeah. And then everybody will have a little piece of the puzzle, but nobody put the puzzle together. Right. Yeah. And somebody said, you know, I noticed they, their appearance wasn't the same. I noticed their attitude wasn't the same. I noticed their demeanor. I noticed this. I noticed that. And then, unfortunately, no one intervened, and then some bad act happened uh, to hurt them or hurt others or to embarrass you. Uh, and so that's why this part is enough. So, so now I'm, I'm going to say this about these policies. We, uh, we brought a lot of uh, stakeholders to the room. We tried to include everybody that we could from the Sheriff's Association, Chiefs of Police Association, the troopers, the FOP, to had municipal association, everybody, all the players invited. And we asked them to look at the policies and give input. And they did. And then we presented it to the training council last month in July. And then they asked us to send them now out to every agency so that everybody had a chance to put eyes on it. And we gave them till August the 10th to send us input if they have any suggestions on these policies. So and that's a that's in a week because yep. today's Wednesday the 3rd. So in a so, week yeah. from now, yep. all our comments should be back. Yep. And, it, and it's probably not going to be a lot of comments because there were already a lot of a lot of eyes on it. Mm-hmm. And so um, once those comments come back, we will look at that. And if there's some that we can add to it, we will incorporate it. And then what we'll do uh, when the training council meets this month in August, I believe it's Monday the 22nd, just off the top of my head if that's the right date. Uh, they will meet, and they will look at it then, and if they believe that's the finished product, then we will send it out to all the agencies, every agency. And what we'll tell them is these are the nine policies you have to have. Um, and you do, and we'll explain to them these are minimum policies. You can make them more restrictive, but you have to have this minimum. But you also can tweak it for your agency because we have parts in there on hiring and firing, you know, things that say, you know, you may go through your – Human resources. Well, if you're a one-person department, yeah. you, know, you are the human resources. Right. And so we, we will have that covered in there. We have about internal affairs, you know, as far as how to do complaints and investigations. Well, if you're a one- or two-person department, you are the internal affairs. That's right. So, so agencies can tweak it to fit their agency from a one-person to a, you know, whatever, 500-person. We are going to establish uh, a compliance unit. We'll I probably – Tentatively planning hiring two people, and this through the training council. Absolutely, and and for our, for all of our listeners who yeah, may yeah. not know exactly, Jackie, tell us tell tell us exactly what the law enforcement training council is and what what it yeah. does. And so sometimes you'll see it interchange through the legislature. They'll say the criminal justice academy, or they'll say the training council, but they're talking about the academy doing something. But the training council is the advisory board. They are people on it uh, ex officio out of their position. The head of SLED, the head of Department of Corrections, the head of Department of Public Safety, the head of uh, probation, pardon, and parole, uh, two sheriffs, two chiefs, and a, a jail director. And so that makes up uh, your training council. So they're an advisory group. They come every, we do now, every month. They hear our misconducts after we, we have a hearing officer that hears mm-hmm. the case presented, and then they'll hear the findings from that hearing officer, and then they'll make a final agency decision as to the status of that officer's certification. Wow. They also hear quarterly what we've done as far as successes or failures or our budget or things like that an right. advisory group does and can make suggestions about maybe y'all ought to add this, take this gotcha. away, you, you know, do your budget wise. So they're there as, as an advisory group also. And so, so that the, is the training. And so, the tra- and so talk about this com- the compliance piece of this. It's coming through the Criminal Justice Academy or th- as it, will it be a function of the training council? Everything is a function of the training council. Gotcha. Okay. But, 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 but I, when I say we, the academy will hire uh, two employees okay. is what my plan is. We'll divide the state in half. Every agency in South Carolina will be inspected by this group once every three years, except CALEA accredited agencies or state accredited agencies. They're about 318, 320-ish agencies. They are about 70-some-odd right now who are either accredited 
are in the process of becoming accredited. Okay. So we will not have to go see them because obviously they have minimally accepted policies, way more than those right. nine. They've already right. done it. They've yep. already done those nine mm-hmm. plus, either 100 more or 200 more, depending <laughs> right, on right. which mm-hmm. process they've gone through. And, and I was t- I'm going to pause right there and say I strongly encourage the, the mayors, managers, uh, people listening to look about your agency becoming accredited. The benefits far, far outweigh any cost associated. Mm-hmm. It would behoove you to, to look about doing that because uh, it is minimally accepted policies that have been court approved. And so if you follow those standards, you really have helped yourself in risk management because most of the time, the case, if a suit comes, is dismissed in summary judgment because you have followed an court-accepted practice and policy. And that's if you if you seek accreditation. Let's talk about potential associated costs, if there are any, to comply with these minimum standards that the that House Bill thirty fifty require will require of the agencies. Because that's some obviously that's a complaint or a potential obstacle that people might try to cite as to why they can't or shouldn't do something. But, you know, as we've read the, as, as we've read the bill and been through all the, been through this legislation, I've personally told mayors and managers and council members, this shouldn't cost you anything. I, I do not see right. any associated right. cost you should with these nine. Doing. Yeah. A lot yeah. Of but, but they're not cost associated. If you are state accredited or, or CALEA accredited, there are some costs associated. Sure. Mm-hmm. One for paying, you know, to be accredited. But there are some like uh, the cost that would be that if you have a generator, there's a fence around it. Right. Uh, you have uh, extra locks on certain files or your evidence room has to be, you know, alarmed and locked and yeah. cameras. So there are some costs for being accredited. Right. There are, I don't see of any cost for this. This is just mm-hmm. policy and practice that you yeah. should be doing. Yep. And so, so it shouldn't be any cost. But there are some costs associated with being accredited. Uh, Erica can tell you that there have been a lot of talk and, and asked the legislature to look about providing some funding yeah. mm-hmm. for agencies to become at least state, state accredited. accredited. So so we're looking at that. Uh, that certainly may be something y'all may look about if it doesn't happen. To, you add that as a, a part that they could apply just as they do for vest or cameras, you know, through y'all. Uh, but it is important to do. So, so I, I do say that. So, how much, Jackie, how much does it cost to become state accredited? Just you know, in general. Well, I think the application now is maybe $150. Mm-hmm. Kalia is maybe $10,000. I, right. yeah. I mean, it's right. a lot different, but 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 maybe $150 mm-hmm. for that application. State. So not a lot for that, mm-hmm. but but obviously you got to pay somebody's time to manage all your files. But right. there are some costs right. in state accreditation. As I said, there are mm-hmm. some policies that will cause you to have to shore up your facility. Mm-hmm. And it probably should be that way, of course, anyway. But for some of our smaller law enforcement mm-hmm. agencies, some of our smaller mm-hmm. towns, you know, that that is definitely something that is attainable. It is very much so. Mm-hmm. I, I want to stop and say something about that. I have always, and everyone who knows me knows, I have always been very mindful of the size agencies we have in this state. And, and uh, when I was president of the police chiefs and when I – am still and was always involved with that I tried to look after them to make sure that they were covered in, in everything that's, that's done and so when we started doing the four weeks training that we talked about earlier yeah. at home you know that was some of the first thing well how will I have a training officer available or a room to to do this training and so when we started our plan we asked and surveyed all the agencies in the state would you be willing to host the training in your agency and 96 agencies immediately sent to us that I will let people come to our agency. Mm-hmm. And so we have that happen all the time now. We have agencies that uh, have 10 or 12 different surrounding agencies come to their department and use their training room and their training officer as the as the proctor, moderator, or whatever you want to call it in that room. And so those agencies don't have to yeah. incur that cost. Yeah. And so, uh, so we're always mindful of what we can do to, to help. So we tell them that. We tell them where they can go to go get some of these things. Uh, this is not, I'm telling you, law enforcement has really progressed. In my career, I've seen where you, people used to hold everything close to their chest and they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't, you know, help other agencies and we called it secret police stuff. Right. There is none of that now. I promise you, I will bet there's not an agency in this state that if another agency calls and says, would you give me your policies? They'll send it to you on a yep. disc or now electronically. Yep. If you said, would you send your, uh, uh, accreditation manager to our agency for a day to show us how to, you know, set up policies and have proof. 
there's not anybody that won't help nowadays because I've seen it. People are very generous. People share ranges for firearms and stuff. But, you know, we'll have people come like today to run the physical abilities test, and, and they look like they're lost, like I just sent them in the desert with no map. <laughs> right. And I go, have you ever not seen Have you not seen this run? And they go, no, I've never done this. I said, we have it open every day to come run. But mm-hmm. I know agencies around you have the course set up. Right. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you go there? And they go, oh, well, I didn't go ask them. Or I didn't, didn't think I, about it. Yeah. Or just, just didn't do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there are plenty of people who yeah. will loan you everything and let you come. Yeah. So there's no excuse for that. Yeah. And so uh, I hear agencies say things. But sometimes that's just whining when I know there are people that will help them. Mm-hmm. Now, back to this, these policies. When we push them out, we're going to also say. And when when's that going to be? Well. When do you think? After they're approved by the training council. Right. That could be that Monday, the 22nd Which is later, of this month. later this month. Later. This yeah. month. Yeah. Right. But if they say, I want you to do some more, then it could be another month. Gotcha. Yeah. When they gotcha. meet yeah. once a month. Gotcha. But if they push them, if they approve them that 22nd, we'll push them out that, that week probably. Good. And we will tell them, here they are. So then you'll have months to put a policy in place. But a lot of people need to realize you don't just say, oop, I got them. Here they are. They're written from our agency. You now got to put them into practice. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you'll have to show yeah. that you're in compliance, that I have a proof. So we're going to offer training to explain what that means. How do you put a policy into practice? And then how do you show compliance? Good. We're going to offer that. We're also going to try to give as many forms as we can and say, hey, here, don't reinvent the wheel. Here's something that agency A, B, C, D, and E are using, and it works for them. Here, use that. And so we're going to try to give them as much as we can to make this as simple as we can. But but I'll tell you, there will be agencies, I'm I'm just afraid they will, who will just not put forth the effort with this, and and they should. Well, Jackie, and that's a good segue to my next question. What should our councils, uh, our council members and our mayors expect or ask to see from their police chief with regard to this process going forward? Do, do you, would you recommend that the council take these policies up and review them and maybe even take some action to affirm that, hey, yes, we've we've seen these or or or, you know, how would. What, what should councils and mayors expect or ask of their chiefs going forward from here? This is a podcast, so you can't see my face. <laughs> right. I this. I like we can describe it. He, yeah, <laughs> I smiled because uh, <laughs> I, I spoke one time at, for y'all many times at yeah, a municipal yeah. association, and I had a council member uh, there start drilling me on something about their police department. Yeah. And uh, I asked the guy what was his day job. And I won't say what it is because that might be very limited and they may figure it out. But I asked him what his day job. He told me, and I said, "Uh, sir, I will never tell you how to do that and you don't need to tell me how to police. And I say that with all sincerity and genuineness. So you put an extra part in there for them to read it and give their spin on it. I well, no, I, I, you said that. I'm, that's why I, I apologize. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I guess what I would, would I know what them, you meant, but I'm saying yeah, you yeah. what you Yeah, I know, I know what you heard. I know that. So, Thank you. So let me, cu- give, me, yeah, me, give me the chance here. to back up. He's cutting me off here. Yeah. <laughs> I heard. He is, Jackie. So, I don't know that. I don't so, know no, you're right. Yeah. Wish I, just is he a him. lawyer? I wish he, there should not he pretends be ex- to be one. There should not be an expectation among council members and mayors to modify these policies on their own. I, no, I, you're no. absolutely 100% right. correct. I, I, I want to make sure that yes. – but they ought to yeah. know that they are there. Correct. Yeah. And, and they support to, their agencies and support, and support that that their department. They should expect them to be there. And to encourage strongly that they adhere to them and, and put them into practice and to, and to, to have proof mm-hmm. that they're doing that. Right. That's what they should do. Affirm no, their support absolutely. for the 30, 50. Absolutely. Yeah. Affirm so, their support. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and, and I'll tell you, when I – I've spoken that many times for y'all, and and I would get calls or texts or emails after the mayors and managers got back, and they went and apologized to their yeah. police right. chiefs. And my friends would text me and say, thank you, Jack. I don't know exactly what right. you said, but they came and said, I'm sorry that I didn't support you financially or for training or mm-hmm. for equipment or blah, blah, blah. And so it is important that the agencies know that it exists and that the agencies should adhere to this. And, and I tell you that because I hear – you know, that sometimes the mayor's managers, council, whatever, ask or demand or expect those agencies to do things that they cannot do. Right. And this will be one of them is that very first thing we talked about. 
I don't care what that bill says. I want those officers to go to work first day, and I want them out working. No, nope. and that that Not chief, that chief should say, "Hey, I'm sorry." Right. We can't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they may say, well, I'm going to demand you this. Well, I'm sorry. You're not going to cause me to do a misconduct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. So so they need to hear that. Absolutely. They should never demand their agencies to do things that would be violation of this policy. They should be in support of this. Yes. And so see that they're doing it. But but I can tell you, after I spoke one time at a municipal association, I don't know, 10, 12, 15, how many years ago, I talked about the value of accreditation. I came to a, a annual meeting on that. And so I had all kinds of chiefs come see me and say, well, my mayor manager told me to come talk to you about accreditation. They wasn't there for the right reason. They just checked the block that they mm-hmm. went back and right. told that mayor right. manager that, hey, I went and talked to him. But they had no intentions of, of trying to improve and do stuff. So, th- so this is what they should do. They should look at it and see uh, it's come. So, so y'all should send out something. Yes, we will. That, yeah, hey, absolutely. I know the academy has approved this and it's sent out. So, hey, you know, be aware of it and then talk to your agency heads right. and say, uh, tell me your plan of action. That would be a good thing to say. So what's your timetable? Right. You know, when do you think you'll have it written in policy? And and see, we laugh, and I think Erica might have been there when she heard me tell stories of uh, where I went out and uh, looking at agencies through accreditation, and they had cut and paste somebody's policy, and they said the hell up ad, and I go, hmm, you know, <laughs> interesting. And th- where are yeah, we? Yeah. Right. And, and, and right. we had a one, we had a one story police department the size of this room, and they had something about the basement and the third floor, and I went, I'm not sure about that. So, so you can't just cut and paste. I mean, you need to right. so so have a timetable. We have the policy. And now we're going to make it fit our agency. And that could be the discussion there. Now, that part could be the discussion as to, would you like for me to be more restrictive? We had a small town mayor some years ago in the upstate who uh, told her agency to ban all foot pursuits. That was what the directive was. Mm. Well, of course, everybody ran from public drunk to shoplifting to sure, everything sure. Yeah, yeah. They, they put out. They knew it. So when the media came away. and interviewed her and said, well, so we have a bank robbery, and they run down the street with the bank. You don't want the police to change, chase them. And, well, of course I did. Well, now, you just said no pursuits, and, and then there was an embarrassment there. So, yeah. so agencies need to think about the consequences. But if that's what you want, that's where the discussions ought to be between you yeah. know, what you're talking about. So, so your you, members, but the elected the, officials need to educate themselves on well, and that's, this, and that's where I was absolutely gonna, so they can talk gonna, to their and understand liability, and but also understand about this. Yeah, understand consequences, so, unintended right, consequences. Right. So the councils should ask the chief to come and make a presentation. I would on these policies. I would to them to say, okay, here's mm-hmm. what we have. We know we have to now comply mm-hmm. with these minimum standards. Here's what we've prepared. You know, do we need to make some modifications locally? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then right. how uh, and can we that way, support what can we do to exactly. help? Yes. Precisely. But yep. then I would yep. also ask, if I was that mayor or manager, I would ask, uh, and tell me your timetable. Right. Obviously, right. they've given it to you, maybe the month of August. So what's your timetable? Well, by September, we certainly will have the wordage where we can make it fit, you know, this town A. All right. Then what's your next step? Well, I hope within, you know, October, November, then we can have our first proof. Mm-hmm. You know, by December, we should hopefully have maybe every proof. And then by January, we won't get around to every. We may not get right. to you that first year, second, maybe yeah. the third year. Mm-hmm. But you should be ready by that January to have proofs to show that, that we have it, we've implemented, and we can show that we're in compliance. And if the chief and the department need resources and support from the council by way of budget or whatever other tools that they made, that's the that's, that's what, the discussion they need to be having. How they how you can comply and stay in compliance absolutely. going forward, right. right? Well, what you may see after you start doing this, uh, when the council starts doing their next year's budget, right. you know, mm-hmm. if they're on that cycle of July one. Then once this goes in effect in January, they can say, hey, you know, I see something that we really ought to have supported financially that we can do this better. And so then they can start writing it in February, March, whenever they do, and have it ready for then. So there are a lot of benefits to having a plan and having a timetable and, and doing that. Uh, I don't know how much long we have, but there's some other parts of this that's real important. So, yeah. so the implementation of this, and we will assist me, Jackie Swindler, Jimmy Fennell, my general counsel. We're available to call and if you need us to explain it. Uh, but we're going to have some training that we'll provide, I told you, and maybe forms and things such as that. But then this next part of this that uh, is very important is that the legislature was very strong and intentional 
that they wanted some teeth or sanctions for places that did not come into compliance. And so the first thing is, I will send this assessor out. They will audit your agency or assess your agency, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call it. And they could say, okay, you're in compliance with all of them. Or they could say, hey, you're weak in this area, and we will write you a letter saying you have 30 days to come into compliance with this policy where you're weak. If you don't come into compliance at the end of that 30 days, then some things can happen that are that are pretty tough sanctions. One, I could uh, fine them $1,000 a day for being out of compliance. The agency, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, I could go before the court of their in their jurisdiction and get an injunction to have them cease or have the ability to pull the certification of every officer in that agency. Right. Now, you hear that. That is a big stick. And that was the words they used. They wanted a big stick. That's a big stick, that if we pull the certification of every officer in that agency, you're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. And so that well, What's mean, the point of having, you know, things that you have to do if you're not going to have anything to hold them accountable? Well, they, they, $1,000 a day is tough. That's a lot. And then cease and desist and then pull your certification. The legislature, is, it, is it a progression like that, Jackie, or do you can you impose yeah. any of those three that, that you— that you need to certainly the thousand dollars a day would would probably be the first thing right but it wouldn't be long after that if you thumbed your nose and said i'm just not doing this right that you would be stronger sanctions gotcha. you'll be shut down gotcha mm-hmm. the the legislature did not want to punish that officer in that agency so they made it uh, clear that that officer would still be paid uh that their certification is actually just held in abeyance that they're not decertified like you are when it's a right. misconduct or something. It's just held in abeyance. So if they wanted to leave Town A and then go to work for Town B, they would immediately have that certification restored with no record that they ever had had it uh, temporarily. You've effectively held. just neutralized the department, not necessarily an individual the officer. officer right? You're not punishing that officer. Right. They did not want to punish that officer. Right. But they wanted to get the attention Absolutely. of that agency. Um, and so that was the intention. I hope we never have to do that, but mm-hmm. what that may happen. But I'll tell you what may happen. Uh, last year, uh, I believe maybe two agencies went out of existence. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll just say there, there are agencies that probably need to do that. Mm-hmm. They do not have the support. Uh, I'll, I'll use that word support. Financial, mm-hmm. whatever. They don't have the support to carry out the function that they need to do. And so... Uh, it's a good thing not to be in existence. And there's probably some jurisdictions across the state who think they may need a police department that they really don't. No, right. that, that's been that way for a long time. Right. And uh, right. you need, and this might serve as a as a good measuring stick to help them determine whether or not they mm-hmm. ought to go forward. Might want to go ahead and you know make a change. Explore, now, our, explore in, the other in those options. areas. They would be covered by the sheriff, mm-hmm. by the county sheriff. They are. Is that, yeah, or they, they already are. They already, they already are. are. They don't but, need but, but an individual. They don't, but they, they can do some type of agreement with that sheriff and Absolutely. further expand. If they want mm-hmm. better coverage than what the sheriff gets, yep. then they could use what monies they have to mm-hmm. offset that, have, have the sheriff assign someone. That's right. Um, so, so that, that, that should happen. Uh, and, I will tell you, we, we hear, stories all the time. And we've actually dealt with agencies. We've actually had to sanction agencies. I've written numerous cease and desist letters since I've been there of practices that people were doing that they should not be doing. Mm-hmm. And and we hear stories. I tell you, we educate the new recruits on what's right. And they get back and they'll call us and, or send us a anonymous text or something and say, yeah. hey, you, I learned this while at the academy, but my agency's doing something that I heard you mm-hmm. say you shouldn't. But a lot of times agencies leave agency A, go to agency B, and then they tattletale and say, right. hey, let, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me tell you. We recently had a, uh, an agency that had two employees who did not live in the state of South Carolina. And statute says you have to live yeah. in the state of South yeah. Carolina, have a South Carolina driver's license. And it wasn't a border town. Right. They traveled a distance. So they drove their police car quite a distance, and they weren't even from this, this state. Wow. And when we mm. – Talk to that agent. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you did know, yeah. that. You know that. That's been out forever. Well, Stop. let me you know? let me ask you this. So, if if after this process goes into place and we get into the assessment periods that this three year this three year mm-hmm. window, and you find an agency that isn't responsive, they're not complying with the request that that the training council and you make of those agencies. You're notifying the police chief. Obviously, is there? I would assume you're going to also notify the mayor. 
and and the council, I guess, of these issues that you found also to help to help make sure that everybody understands what the issues are or are if, you going to if keep we have a, just if, the if, well we obviously we have con, I don't want to use the word control but right. they they're the person that we have access to because gotcha. we, we they have a certification right right we may be able to attempt to notify a mayor manager but we may not yeah. have that on record right um you know y'all may know and then y'all give them that word <laughs> that uh <laughs> right. hey yeah we with, yeah, we're, we're good partners. We can I definitely know. help. That's right. we, so. We've got good friends in Erica that we would. I'm sure Erica may be CC'd on, on some of that. Right. And right, just right. say, just for your information, we have, we have imposed yeah. a sanction against a police. Gotcha. Um, we also I meant that there's a, another fine in there of five hundred dollars if you fail to come prosecute uh, a misconduct case. So that's another sanction. We already had oh. in place that I could find fifteen hundred dollars a day, and we have done that. And we, you have to pay for the stenographer that we hired that you didn't come. So there's other sanctions and stuff. But. So, but so no, expand on that a little bit. So you've got a you've got an officer who's been accused of misconduct, but the agency for whatever reason isn't investigating that, or they failed to, or there's a lot in that one question there. Yeah, if you know of misconduct, you must report misconduct okay. as agency. So right. you'd have to tell us, and you'd have to look into it. But you could determine how far you wanted to go on that investigation. Uh, and then obviously, but if you turn into paperwork dust, then you're expected to prosecute and you're expected to be there. If for some reason something changed and you declined to prosecute, you could do that, but you should tell us that you're not coming. If we schedule the hearing, then you're responsible for that day's. In front of the training council. Mm-hmm. Right. No no. no, no, no. We have a hearing officer first. Okay, gotcha. All right. right. So All you're right. going to pay for that stenographer and for that day of okay. that hearing. Then. Uh, you may be asked to come in front of the training council to explain why you didn't come, and that could be an additional sanction. And but so w- when you say you, if you fail to prosecute, you mean fail to prosecute in front of the – through the training officer. council mm-hmm. and the hearing officer yep. process, not necessarily in the courts yet. You, oh, no, you, it's not in the courts you, you first go through the, right. the, the hearing officer and the training council process. Well, if it's something criminal and you turn, right, it, right, turn right. it over to SLED, right. that's a – that's a of separate course. track. Of course. That right. could be handled. But so you could have someone have a misconduct and a criminal. Certainly, if you get convicted of something criminal, you're going to lose your <laughs> yeah, certification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it goes different directions. Gotcha. Okay. But we just want agencies to do the right thing and to uh, follow it through the process and stuff. Uh, no one needs people out there policing. I'm not going to mention this guy's name because I don't give him that kind of credit, but the Minneapolis case. I don't remember the exact which was which, but in the news, I, I was shocked when I heard him talk about that case. And they said he had been an officer either 18 years and had 16 excessive, documented excessive force, or he'd been an officer 16 years yeah. and had 18. But I was floored because I, I know those numbers are 16 and 18, but I don't remember which It was, was a which. lot either way. Either yeah. way, it was a lot that you'd worked that long, Too you'd much. had that many complaints, mm-hmm. and you were still out there having that ability. And so that's the thing. If we have a few more minutes, I'm going to go ahead and tell these mayors and managers. We got as, it's a podcast. Yeah, we got right. as much time well, as I'm going to tell need. these mayors and managers that it is important that they ensure that they do due diligence in their hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are so many, there are so many things and ways you can do. But if you are hiring an officer from another agency, you have to talk to someone from that agency in command position and a test, which means swear an oath, a test on the forms you send us that I talk to the chief or deputy chief or the sheriff uh, about their ability to be hired. Then there's another line. You call the academy and you ask their history, training and employment and mm-hmm. disciplines or whatever. Uh, and then you say who you talk to and you put that name and you attest. We still today have agencies who hire people without checking. Mm-hmm. And that's a violation. And they can file a complaint with us. They would have to come in front of the training council. And they could be fine for that. Mm-hmm. And we've actually had instances where agencies called and say, hey, I'm just appalled that my officer left me and no one ever called to ask what kind of officer they were. So you, you need to do those two things. So I encourage agencies not to be embarrassed by hiring someone that they should not have if they had done their, their homework. Right. So, right. so they, they need to do that. Um, there's still – those requirements that if you hire a new hire, that you have to do a psychological, we reimburse them. So that wasn't an unfunded mandate. We give the agency that money, but they have to do a psychological. 
and they have to do thorough backgrounds. And, and that agency head has to uh, sign that they have uh, done a thorough background and that they believe this person is of good character, which means I've checked on your credit history yep. and you know things in your life. And mm-hmm. so you're signing on that because you realize what you're doing. There's a documentation trail that if this officer does something egregious, you're going to have to answer to, did I make a good hire? I mean, the, these could have known or should have yeah, known. Called yeah. deliberate indifference. These yeah. men and women are the face of a lot of of their agencies. Oh, They're on the front line. Inter- absolutely. It's, Sometimes it's the only interaction the only that interaction. a resident has that's, with their city government exactly is their right. police officers. So yeah. it's that important. Absolutely, yeah, it's it that is important. important. That they are not that not every employee of a town or city is important. Not important. Police are, are without a doubt the most important. Forward facing. Yeah. Absolutely, they are. I mean, that's you've right. got to have. Quality people doing an important job and doing it the right way. And so that's why, you know, these councils, mayors, managers, they need to understand that. And they need to fully support that they are are properly hiring and properly training and and doing things the right way. Well, Jackie, we're really excited about these these standards. We're really looking forward to the work that y'all and the training council are doing to to push these out. We will obviously be there helping yeah. you push these out Continue to Continue to partner with Criminal to Justice everybody Academy across and the state law and uh, we'll we'll want you back at some point to talk about how it's going. Yeah, absolutely. And uh what are some of the good trends, some of the things we maybe need to work on a little bit more going forward and obviously we are we're a huge supporter of yours at over at the General Assembly and um and look forward to to a successful rollout of this thing and improving law enforcement in in general across the entire state. Well, that's that's our intention. As long as I'm there as the director, that's what we're going to try to do: make this process better, uh, put out a better product, uh, and and do the right thing. But I tell you, it is encouraging. Every year when I go to present the budget, I look in the room and I see Erica's smiling face back there, and you know, and, yep. and see support from not just chiefs and sheriffs, you know, but but I see other people who say, "Hey, we'd like for you to support the academy in their budget." Uh, I kind of started a little saying when I went there that, you know, you won't end well if you don't begin well. And so I, I tell people this is the beginning of everyone's career, and so we want them to start out right. And so that's why we try to work really hard at preparing them and putting out a, a good product. We're certainly here to help. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you all for having me. Jackie, always. thank you so much. You're always a fabulous speaker and uh-huh. guest. and. I can't wait to come out and do the driving course I at you, the you are, academy. That's called a clue in police work when somebody says something more than once. I just, so I know I've she wants like to come three drive. Times, I didn't so notice that. I'm going to try to. I'm going to. We're going to. We're going to work on that, and I'm going to bring the mayors back out so yeah. we can talk more about this and get them trained um, on some things. Also, um, remember you can find the City Quick Connect podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music and Audible. We are everywhere and we're taking over. Growing. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Thank y'all for having me. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.